passion specifically results in flow and can act as a flow trigger. Simply put, we just pay more attention to things that we're passionate about. We get focused for free when we've got passion. You do not have to muster up the will and grind through looking at something or paying attention to something when you're ferociously and ecstatically passionate about it. And that free focus that is driven primarily by dopamine due to the novelty that's associated with passion results in us getting to flow more easily and with more consistency. Your inner voice has been drowned out by the noise around you, but you've always had a deep desire to make a difference. And now you're ready to step into your greatness and develop the identity you need to build towards your ultimate goal. Welcome to the Mindset Horizon podcast. Making the world a better place by unleashing human potential will help you create your own reality by increasing your self-awareness, cultivating an unstoppable mindset, and finally finding the passion, purpose, and true self so that you can live the life you are always destined to live. Now, welcome your host, a lifelong learner and growth mindset savant, a former architect turned lifestyle entrepreneur, Tibor Notch. What is up, my friend? Welcome back to the Mindset Horizon podcast. I'm super excited for you to listen to today's episode where we literally decode the science of flow, passion, and purpose with my amazing guest, Rian Doris. But before we dive in, I want to let you know about my podcast mastery course. So if you're seeking to make a change and have an even bigger impact as a coach, consultant, or thought leader in 2021, I would highly recommend you check out my podcast mastery course at mindsethorizon.com forward slash course. That's mindsethorizon.com forward slash course, where I'm teaching you step-by-step how to start your authority building podcast as a change maker so that you can scale your impact, influence, and income in 2021. For more information, simply go to mindsethorizon.com forward slash course, and you can find all the details there. All right, so my guest today is Rian Doris, who is the Chief Growth Officer at Flow Research Collective. Rian holds a BA in Philosophy and Economics from Trinity College Dublin and has recently enrolled in a master's program in Applied Neuroscience at King's College London. Rian has worked with multiple Fortune 100 companies, implementing peak performance strategies in a consulting capacity. At the beginning of today's episode, Rian shared his personal story and how he got involved with the Flow Research Collective and how he started working together with Stephen Kotler. He also shared the mission of the company and what they are most excited about to work on in the future. In the middle of the episode, we literally had a deep dive into Flow. Rian explained why Flow is important, what it is, and he also talked about the so-called Flow triggers. We dove deeper into motivation, Rian explained the different types of motivation, and he also talked about the five intrinsic motivators. On top of all that, we also talked about the correlation between flow, passion, and purpose. Closer to the end, Rian shared the so-called flow blockers so that we can avoid these stoppers and get into flow states more easily. In the end, Rian shared his best flow practices and amazing books that you can read. If you want to find out more about today's guest and check out the free resources, book recommendations, and detailed show notes, simply head over to our website, mindsethorizon.com forward slash podcast. That's mindsethorizon.com forward slash podcast. You can also use the search bar on our website where you can simply type in Rian Doris to find the episode's show notes page. I'm telling you guys, this episode is an incredible masterclass on flow. I was super curious about this topic and asked Rian lots of questions. I hope you're going to enjoy this conversation as much as I did. So without any further ado, please enjoy deconstructing the science of flow, passion, and purpose with the one and only Rian Doris. Hi, Rian, and welcome to the Mindset Horizon podcast. Thank you very, very much for having me, Tibor. It's great to be here. Yeah, Rian, thank you so much for coming on the show. I have been waiting for this moment. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really excited to talk about um, you and uh, basically what you're up to and uh, talk about flow and also deconstruct flow in this episode for the listeners. And I kind of like wanted to start with your story, really, how you got to the point where you co-founded the Flow Research Collective with Stephen Cutler and uh, talk to us about this journey. Yeah, sure. So, well, it goes back really to when I was about well, not about, I was 13. 
years old and I had a really severe head injury, traumatic brain injury. I was on holidays in Croatia at the time and it was before Croatia was in the EU. Regulations were a little less buttoned up and myself and my brother, who was only about 11 at the time, went down to this old semi-abandoned water park that had 100 foot high water slides and we had a great time going up and down the slides repeatedly and bombing down at flying speed down these old rickety water slides and there was broken steps on the way up and you're 100 feet up and you've got like planks of wood kind of half falling down and things and so on my last time going down the slide I went down and attempted to do a somersault off the bottom of the slide and rotated only half the way around and then hit the top of my head off the concrete bottom of the pool and the pool was only three foot deep and that accident resulted in about seven years of debilitation psychological cognitive and physical and so the end result of that for those seven years was chronic fatigue fibromyalgia amnesia inability to exercise, blurred vision, depression, anxiety, all sorts of not good things. And in the middle of that seven-year period, which was essentially my whole teen years, I discovered self-development, self-help, peak performance, spirituality, health, nutrition, that whole world of growth, essentially, or personal growth, whatever we want to call it, and got obsessed with the notion of personal growth and the fact that if you take certain actions and develop certain habits and implement certain mindsets, you can radically alter yourself, your life and the results that you experience. And as part of the development of that obsession, I began to read more deeply into the scientific areas that addressed self-development, peak performance, et cetera. And began to resonate more deeply with those who were taking a more rigorous academic science-backed approach to looking at optimal performance versus the more conventional or traditional self-help approach. And so that led me to Stephen's book in college, The Rise of Superman. I became a big fan of Stephen's. And during this period in college, I was working with a number of other well-known thought leaders and experts in the space. I worked very closely with Dr. Dan Siegel, who's a 12-time New York Times bestselling author and wow. is well-known for bringing mindfulness to the to the West along with Jack Cornfield and John Kabat-Zinn and was a, men- was a mentee of his and then worked with Keith Ferrazzi, who wrote Never Eat Alone, lived with him in the Hollywood Hills in LA for a little while and that kind of thing and had lots of other amazing internships and experiences and opportunities to work with the leaders in this field and then connected with Stephen began working as Stephen's intern. And then we've been working together for about five years now and gradually expanded my portfolio of work at his old company. And then we decided for a number of reasons to, to leave that old company and then start a new one together, which is the flow research collective and is a little bit about how we got to this point. Wow, that's pretty amazing. Thank you so much for sharing. And then you started the Flow Research Collective Radio. Congratulations on that as well. Thank you. And uh, I was just wondering for the listeners to so talk to us a little bit more about what the collective is about. What are some of the things that you are most excited about nowadays, you and the, the team? Sure. So the mission of the Flow Research Collective is to build the world's most effective neuroscience-based peak performance training to help more people spend more of their time in flow. And what excites me most is achieving that mission at scale. And that means building our team, improving our systems, improving our product, improving our client experience, building the business and making the business as effective a mechanism as possible to achieve that mission. Um, And so that's what I'm very much so excited about and spending my time and energy on at the moment. Wow, that's really interesting. And as far as I know, you focus on two things, which is the research part and then the training part uh, connected to flow. And I kind of like really want to dive into flow 
I couldn't wait, Ria, and I have to confess yeah. <laughs> to to talk about flow and and first and foremost, just for the listeners to understand this whole concept, why is flow important? Why care? Sure. So I'll begin by talking about what a flow state is. And technically, even though it doesn't sound like a very technical definition, a flow state is defined as an optimal state of consciousness where you feel your best and you perform your best. And performance, both physical and mental or cognitive, increases. Now, a definition or description of a flow state that folks may resonate more deeply with is that flow refers to those moments of emergence where your sense of action and awareness blends, where time dilates and hours go by in what feels like minutes, where your focus hones in and the rest of the world just evaporates away, and where your sense of self, your inner critic, that inner voice that's often nagging us in the back of our minds that goes offline and throughout we see spikes in performance across a number of different key areas for example creativity learning productivity even broader more systemic impacts seem to come off the back of time spent in flow like overall sense of meaning in life and general sense of life satisfaction And there's lots of research that backs this up. So work done by McKinsey found that executives' productivity increased up to 500% when in a flow state. And Harvard, Teresa Mible, who's an interesting creativity researcher at Harvard, found that subjects actually have heightened creativity for up to three days after being in a flow state, which is an interesting effect. And work done by advanced brain monitoring and DARPA have found subjects to have a 490% increase in skill acquisition speed, which is a fancy way to say motor learning. That's work done on snipers specifically. And really interesting research actually at the University of Sydney, where they artificially induced something very close to a flow state by down-regulating the activity in the prefrontal cortex, found that creative problem solving increased by 430%. So lots of really compelling research that shows that flow drives up a lot of key skills that we need most to be able to thrive in the 21st century. And one of the things that is so critical about flow now more than ever is that right now it's harder than ever to get into a flow state due to distraction, due to the degree to which our attention is constantly being nagged and pulled at and gnawed away at. Yet, as a result of that, there's more opportunity than ever for those who can really carve out the time and the space needed for deep focus to move ahead further than ever. And so we talk about that as the high flow advantage that's been really occurring more and more in the 21st century. So we can go into that more as well if you'd like. Yeah, absolutely. I was wondering about the what are some of the, I think it's called preconditions to flow. So what are some of the things that we need in order to get into this state? And you know, one thing I was wondering about, I'm, I'm asking this question right now, but you know, there's this consciousness, right? So flow is a state of consciousness and uh, it's kind of like maybe off the record, I don't know, Rian, but I was wondering about if we know where consciousness is created in the brain, like from a scientific perspective, do we know this? No, no, we do not know this. And a lot of people don't know that we don't know this. People presume that scientists, of course, know where consciousness comes from, given that consciousness arguably is everything. It's our, our, our fundamental awareness of anything is the result yeah. of the fact that we're conscious, yet we actually have no idea where consciousness is arising in the brain and this is talked about by philosophers and neuroscientists and neurophilosophers as the hard problem of consciousness which is the fact that we can correlate certain areas of the brain with certain conscious states so for example we can say that when this brain area is activated in this way we tend to see a certain state of consciousness show up 
but we do not know where the actual consciousness itself, the awareness, the feeling of what it's like to experience something is arising from. And so there's this explanatory gap from correlation to the source of consciousness in the brain and the question of how the soggy, wet, gray matter of the brain gives rise to the colors and emotions and vivid imagery that we're able to experience is, I think, arguably the biggest mystery in the known universe today. Well, I've been wondering about this, <laughs> you know, this is what I do when I have some free time. No, I've just actually, I think when I was preparing for this conversation, I was contemplating that if I, I mean, I was trying to look for some articles on that, if we know where consciousness is generated in the brain and, and I didn't really find anything. So I was like, maybe I can ask you about this because the flow is the state of consciousness. So it's kind of like a, a really intangible thing. So how do we, I mean, let's talk about what we know, right? So what are some of the things that we can do in order to get into a flow state? Or what do we know about this? Sure. In some respects, the first thing I would mention is that we don't know that much. And the more mm -hmm. you dive into the field, And the more you learn about neuroscience in general, the more you realize how many open questions there really are. Dr. Andrew Huberman, who's an advisor to us here at the Flow Research Collective and a member of our board, recently said that the only thing we really know about flow is that it spells wolf backwards, which really sums it up. So I want to add that caveat that a lot of this is very much so unknown. Now, with respect to training flow, we've got a lot of anecdotal evidence of things that have worked within our client populations that do map onto the triggers. And there's also a decent theoretical framework and strong set of hypotheses for why most of the triggers work as well. So to go into the triggers, the, tr the flow triggers are one of the core models for training flow and accessing flow more consistently. And they are preconditions that need to be in place in order for us to be able to get into a flow state. And there are all sorts of different triggers. There's different categories of triggers. So there are creative triggers. There are group triggers. There are psychological triggers. There's environmental triggers. There's a number of different categories of triggers. Some of the most well-known triggers, which we can talk about, are the psychological triggers that Mihai Csikszentmihalyi who's a Hungarian psychologist and often seen as the godfather of flow, did his original work on. And one example of those is the challenge skills balance. This is the, the idea that the challenge of the task at hand slightly exceeds our skill set when mm. we are optimally driven into a flow state. So when you achieve an activity whereby the The challenge of that activity is just a little bit beyond your existing skill, not so much that it propels you into a state of overstimulated anxiety, but not so much that it is understimulating and mundane. When it's just that perfect level of hard, a perfect level of challenge, then we see flow arise. And that's the sweet spot between boredom and anxiety, which is why Mihai Csikszentmihalyi called one of his, net, one of his books after it. Clear goals is another flow trigger and this is the idea mm -hmm. of simply having very clear goals as to what it is that we are doing within any given moment these are not goals that we're setting on a weekly or even a daily basis these are goals within an activity you're writing a paper for example and you know that within the next seven to ten minutes you've got to finish your outline for example or you are snowboarding And you know that you've got to lean back into the, the right of the board in order to effectively make this turn. And you've got that goal clear. Uh, clear goals focus our attention and reduce divergent, broad analytical thinking, which allows us to merge our focus into a more convergent state, which then produces flow. And then it, once in a flow state, ironically, we can go back into a much more creative state, but there's a, a level of, of convergent focus 
that clear goals help to facilitate that's required in order to get into a flow state in the first place. And immediate feedback is another one of Mihai Csikszentmihalyi's core psychological triggers. This is the idea that we are receiving some form of information. Feedback is essentially just information. So that we're receiving some form of information through whatever it is we're doing as we're doing it. And the faster those feedback cycles are happening, the faster we're getting the feedback after whatever our actions are, the more likely we are to be driven into a flow state. So one good example of a feedback trigger being activated is with video games. You're playing a video game, you shoot down the opponent, and your controller vibrates and noises start pinging on the screen and the score on the screen starts shooting up. That's three forms of feedback that are coming at you with instantaneous precision as soon as you've shot down your opponent or whatever the case may be. So the more that we can integrate feedback, the better Mm. within an activity when we're trying to get into flow. Yeah. So for me, actually, immediate feedback was some something that is a little bit untangible, but I I totally get the example. And um, I was just thinking, is it something that we need to build into the practice, right? So for example, this immediate feedback, as I'm thinking about something, I don't know, maybe writing then, or let's say a conversation, podcasting, whatever, I need to build into this feedback into the process, right? Yeah, I mean, I would imagine that putting out podcasts or recording or producing podcasts would be nowhere near as compelling or flowy if you knew with certainty that no one was going to ever hear them or respond to them. And obviously, there's Mm -hmm. other reasons beyond feedback that it's meaningful to create something like a podcast, but Mm -hmm. the, the feedback is a key source of meaningfulness often for an activity. And with respect to applying it, if you look at a lot of the most effective project management methodologies that are used within organizations, things like agile software development, scrum, lean methodologies, all of these methodologies have feedback mechanisms built into their very core. So the Lean Startup is an amazing book that emphasizes the necessity of iteration and feedback cycles and learning within product development and within organizational development in general. And Mm -hmm. one of the reasons that it's so effective is that it drives flow. It drives teams into a flow state when they are able to receive feedback from customers seven hours after they've coded whatever the thing is that they're coding. And Mm -hmm. knowing that you're going to receive feedback pretty rapidly after producing something improves oftentimes your ability to get into flow while you're producing that thing. Wow, it's really interesting. Back to the podcast example, I usually get into flow states and I we talked a little bit about my new podcast, which is the Podcast Interview Mastery. And when it comes to interviews and conversations in general, I think the best when you can get into a flow state. And uh, if there is a distraction, it's harder for me, for example, to experience that. So, for example, when I'm following an outline and I'm thinking about what to ask next, instead of just listening and focusing on the conversation, it's it's something that distracts me. I kind of like realize that, but I really like the conversations because of the very fact that I can experience this flow state. And you've mentioned in the beginning the inner critic, and that disappears in a conversation for me because I had a lot of Uh, limiting, not necessarily beliefs, but self-talks, I would say, because I'm not a native speaker. And when I started the podcast, I was super concerned about what people are going to say. And when I'm in these conversations, it disappears. And it's a good feeling because I can just focus on the conversation. One thing you talked about in your podcast, the Flow Research Collective Radio, was autotelic personality. And I have never heard that term before, to be honest. And I think that's super interesting. So if you could talk about that a little bit for the listeners, I think that would be really great. Sure. So I'll start by distinguishing between two types of motivation. Motivation in general. Motivation is essentially the set of psychological forces that compel us to take some form of action. And there are two primary types of motivation. There is intrinsic motivation, where we are taking an action or engaging in an activity 
for the activity's sake in and of itself. That activity is an end in and of itself. It's so pleasurable or meaningful or enjoyable or worthwhile that we would do that thing even if there was no end result or outcome from doing that thing. Extrinsic motivation is when we are engaging in some form of activity or some form of work in order to produce some result after the fact that may be working in order to make money. It may be working out in order to get washboard abs. It may be any number of things. And intrinsic motivation in general is correlated to longevity of motivation and is a desirable thing for all sorts of different reasons. Now, when an activity is autotelic, it is intrinsically motivating. It is Mm worthwhile in and of itself and classic examples with respect to flow of autotelic activities are surfing snowboarding playing the guitar socializing at a party or one-on-one all of those kinds of activities are done because we like doing them not because we're trying to get some end result from surfing down a wave the thing that we're trying to get is the surfing down the wave that's that's it. That's it in and of itself. And so yeah. the autotelic personality refers to people who tend to have this kind of experience when engaging in activities and who tend to have a bias, we could say, towards intrinsic motivation and towards engaging in things for the sake of those things rather than for the sake of some end that they're trying to produce as a result of engaging in those things. And so what is up mindset nation? I hope you guys are enjoying today's episode and we're going to get back to this conversation very soon after thanking to our sponsors. Hey, my friend, I'm super excited to announce that my podcast mastery course is now available. You can check out the course at mindsethorizon.com forward slash course as a mission and impact driven entrepreneur, thought leader, visionary and change maker. Have you ever thought of increasing your online visibility, building credibility and scaling your impact and business by starting your own podcast? If you've answered this question with hell yeah, and you're ready to start your authority building podcast and take your impact, influence and income to the next level, I would highly recommend checking out my podcast mastery online course at mindsethorizon.com forward slash course. That's mindsethorizon.com forward slash course. In this course, I'm teaching you step-by-step how to start your own epic podcast from scratch. There are four in-depth modules available in this course and additional bonus materials. So in module one called Podcast Foundations Mastery, you will learn about the foundations that are indispensable to launch a successful podcast. In module two called Podcast Tech Mastery, you will learn about the technical side of podcasting. In module three called Podcast Creation Mastery, You will learn about everything that you need to create in order to be able to launch your podcast. In module four called Podcast Launch Mastery, you will learn how to launch your podcast the right way. And last but not least, in the bonus section, you will find additional checklists, email templates, workflow templates, and sample documents that will help you design and launch your podcast like a pro. You can check out the course details at mindsethorizon.com forward slash course. That's MindsetHorizon.com forward slash course. The world is waiting to hear your message, my friend. So let's stop hiding in plain sight and start sharing your truth. Check out the course at MindsetHorizon.com forward slash course right now. So Mindset Nation, without any further ado, let's get back to today's mindset transforming conversation. An example is the surfer who wakes up at 4 a.m., packs his bag and spends 30 minutes dragging all his gear into a car and then drives for four and a half hours to get to the waves and is utterly delighted to do that because of how compelling the activity is. Another good example is actually video games. People will play video games for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours on end. And that tends to be because the activity in and of itself is just so pleasurable. And that may be an unhealthy example of where an autotelic personality can 
lean in a little bit too hard, but essentially an autotelic is someone or something that has a purpose in and not apart from itself. It's really interesting. And does it lead to then experiencing flow state more often? Yeah, it's, it's cyclical. So flow results in intrinsic motivation. And many people think flow is actually the source code or the primary driver of intrinsic motivation. And so you get into flow surfing, you're probably going to wake up the next morning wanting to go surfing again. And that results in you going surfing again, potentially getting into flow again while surfing and having a deeper experience of flow while surfing. And then you leave and you want to surf even more again. And so it compounds in that respect. And that's what we mean when we say the more flow you get, the more flow you get, because flow is autotelic. It's it's a compounding feedback loop where you're getting into that state in a certain activity and that's driving you more to want to be back in that activity because you're compelled to be in that state of flow. And so it is cyclical in that respect. Wow, it's really interesting. And um, I think one thing I wanted to ask here is, you know, is it possible to cultivate this personality and uh, become more autotelic, so to speak? Yeah, it's a good question. I think attempting to spend time and flow as much as possible and finding activities that are really conducive to flow is undoubtedly going to increase the extent to which you have or develop autotelic personality traits because you're going to want to do those activities more. And Mm. those activities by definition are being done for an end in themselves. So the first thing I would say is is, is identifying flow-inducing activities for you as an individual. So you mentioned podcasting. Again, there there are certain activities that are are inherently more rich in flow states that inherently have more flow triggers, excuse me, built into them. So an example is surfing. Let's use surfing as a great example. You've got complexity. You've got novelty. Each wave is different. You've got risk. There's a risk that you can hurt yourself. You've got the challenge skills balance at play. If a novice surfer is trying to surf 10 foot waves in at Jaws in Maui, they're not going to necessarily be getting into flow. They're probably going to be getting smashed against the rocks. Whereas if a Laird Hamilton or an expert surfer is, is surfing a beginner's wave in the West Coast of Ireland, they're probably going to be understimulated and not get into flow. So the challenge skills balance is at play within, within an activity like surfing. So certain activities have flow triggers naturally built into them. And when we understand the flow triggers, we can then select for and opt into engaging in activities that are flow trigger rich and drive us into flow. And so that is what I would recommend for folks who want to develop an autotelic personality and spend more time in flow in general. Wow, that's super exciting, to be honest. And then one thing I could formulate to myself was, for example, curiosity. So when I have a conversation, when I'm curious, I'm, I think I tend to get into the flow state more easily. So I get less distracted when I'm curious about the topic. And therefore, for the podcast, for example, it's really important to find those guests who bring those topics, not just for me, interesting, but hopefully to the listeners as well. Right. <laughs> but I, uh, first and foremost, I have to make sure that it's interesting to me as a host because otherwise I just can't conduct great interviews or conversations. So curiosity was for me something that I could formulate to myself as, as something that is driving me. And I, I think I've heard you guys talk about you know, curiosity, which leads to passion over time. And I kind of like wanted to dive into this topic a little bit, passion and purpose, because this is something that we hear a lot nowadays. And I know that, for example, in my Facebook group, I conducted an interview with someone about passion and purpose. And I know a lot of people said that they want to hear more about these topics. How is it connected to flow or is it connected to flow? Sure. So we generally talk about five primary drivers of intrinsic motivation. And this is going to be also helpful to your prior question of developing an autotelic personality. There are autonomy, passion, purpose, curiosity, and mastery. They're the five intrinsic motivators, at least as as far as we're concerned. And so passion and purpose obviously sit within that list as key 
drivers of intrinsic motivation. And passion specifically results in flow and can act as a flow trigger. Simply put, we just pay more attention to things that we're passionate about. We get focused for free when we've got passion. You do not have to muster up the will and grind through looking at something or paying attention to something when you're ferociously and ecstatically passionate about it. And that free focus that is driven primarily by dopamine due to the novelty that's associated with passion results in us getting into flow more easily and with more consistency. And then getting into flow increases the autotelic drive that we have and desire that we have to spend time in that activity, which then reboots our passion. And so we get that feedback loop that we mentioned earlier, where you develop more passion from having been in flow in an activity that results in you getting into flow more in that activity because passion acts as a flow trigger and that results in you becoming more passionate by that, that activity. And so when you can really get that passion cycle, that feedback loop going and locked in, it's immensely powerful for driving intrinsic motivation and allows you to work wow. any amount of hours, often too many hours, with zero real effort and with pure desire and focus. And it's challenging to line that up. There's all sorts of different factors at play. But when you see people in that state, they often refer to it as momentum or feeling like they're on it. And it's it, it provides that sense even outside of the flow state itself. It's not just about being in the flow state, but when you have that that cycle of passion into flow, into more passion, into more flow happening, your overall sense of, of just drive and momentum often really accelerates. And then purpose within the intrinsic motivational stack is there in many respects to mitigate the selfish nature of passion. Passion is about you, the individual who's passionate about something. Purpose is about the the outside world, something bigger than oneself as a general rule. And so when you synthesize or combine passion about something that you have as an individual with purpose, something that you care about that is bigger than you, you get a really powerful combination. And the purpose, the contribution towards something that's bigger than you is one of the key drivers for meaningfulness, according to Dr. Martin Seligman, the founder of Positive Psychology. And combining that purpose, that surrender, commitment to some bigger aim or objective with that individual passion results in motivation being able to last a lot longer. Wow, I love that. And I can hear some people uh, say, how do I find my passion? Now, I, I know it's, uh, or how do I, I would say, how do I cultivate, right? So how do I cultivate passion? Because I think it's cultivated over time. And I, I think you would agree. And uh, where does it start? Where, where do we start with passion? Stephen recommends starting with curiosity and mm-hmm. letting curiosities become passions through taking action of some form within those curiosities he actually recommends people literally map out a list of their 25 or so curiosities and then find the intersection between those curiosities and then take those as potential passions and then start taking some form of action within those specific passions that have arisen out of looking at the intersection between a longer list of things that someone is curious about. I think, as you mentioned, you you cultivate and you grow and you develop passion. And the fact that flow is a driver for passion is very much so proof of that. If flow contributes to passion, that means that you have to get in the flow doing some activity in order to mm. have passion arise for that activity. And you can't get into flow doing an activity without doing the activity. And so a huge mistake people make is sitting on the sidelines, waiting for some form of intellectual passion to just arise out of thin air, like a lightning bolt down from the skies. But passion is, passion is built as a result of the neurochemical cascade and the psychological experience that we get from being flow within an activity. And so for that reason, and many other reasons, taking action 
is a precursor to developing and cultivating passion. Wow, it's such such an interesting topic, and uh, yeah, you know, I think it it is possible for 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 someone to to be passionate about different things. I think it's 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 the question of okay, so for example, what do I really want to go deep into, right? So for example, what am I interested in and curious about, and then you can dig that topic, and over time, I think. As you're becoming better also, for example, so you have an interest and then as you're becoming better, you experience more, more flow states in those activities and then you become more and more passionate about that. But that's definitely over time something that you develop. I couldn't agree more, Rian. You know, as we are coming closer to the end of the episode, I was thinking about some tangible practices that people can do in order to get into flow states and maybe you just you could share some of your practices that you do because I know that you guys think of it as an individual experience. And so this is not a one size fits all uh, approach as, as far as I understood what you were talking about in the podcast, for example, which I very much resonate with. So it's a, it's a personal experience and it can be different to different people, right? How they can access these these flow states. I'm curious about your practices and maybe you have some idea and tangible tips for the listeners in terms of getting into flow states. Yeah, sure. So one thing that's worthwhile starting with is what we call the flow blockers. And these are distinct from the flow triggers and that these are just the things that stop people getting into flow most commonly. And they're pretty straightforward things. But for most people, these things are not resolved. And resolving these things, which are blocking many people from flow, I believe makes more sense before trying to add in new things to get into flow. Yeah, yeah. one of the flow blockers is mindset. And I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with the idea of fixed and growth mindsets. Within a fixed mindset, you believe that things like talent and skills and character traits are fixed entities with a growth mindset you believe that those things are malleable and can be increased and shifted through action and work and conscious effort so ensuring you've got a growth mindset is key or you're not even going to end up taking the actions needed to drive yourself into flow distraction is a huge 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 flow blocker that cripples most people, you cannot get into flow without a level of persistent focus. It takes normally some time focusing before you're going to end up experiencing a flow state. So if you distract yourself before you've even focused for long enough to be able to get into flow, it's mm. going to block you from flow. And that's a huge one. People have their phone on, pinging at them beside their desk and they're working and their attention is just in this permanently fragmented state that is the antithesis to a flow state. Burnout is another huge one. Often feelings of cynicism, exhaustion, being just generally fried are consistent with burnout and burnout very much so blocks people from flow. You, you are just not resourced enough psychologically or physically to be able to get into a high energy state like flow exhaustion incredibly simple one people just don't sleep enough and people also underestimate the degree to which sleep is a primary driver of everything really related to psychology it is one of the biggest game changers for people when they get their sleep from a crappy five hours a night to a perfect or as close to perfect as possible seven to eight hours a night it's utterly transformative from all respects overwhelm is a huge one which is literally just putting too many things on your plate and getting exasperated and anxious and stressed and as a result of that you tend to see an increase in irritability and cortisol and stress neurochemicals like noradrenaline or norepinephrine and they often block us from flow by putting us into a state that is overly stimulated clarity lack of clarity is a huge one we talked about passion how to find your passion not 
having clarity and waiting for something like clarity in the form of discovering your passion before taking action in order to get into flow is going to very much so block you from flow. And this is clarity with respect to the clear goals flow trigger we talked about, which is being clear about what it is that you're doing in any given moment as you're doing it. And this is also mm-hmm. clarity on a bigger time frame around what you're actually on this earth to do and what your year-long goals are, five-year goals are, even month-long goals are. Motivation. We talked about motivation and not having enough motivation to take the action needed and focus enough to be able to get into flow is a real challenge. It's a little bit like not being able to get the boulder up over the hill so that it rolls down the other side of the hill. Because once you've got it up over the hill, it's going to roll down the other side and you just have to get that state of flow active. And then you're going to be starting to experience autotelic and intrinsic motivation very quickly. So it's going to be easy to come back to it. But getting the boulder up over the hill in the first place is often a real challenge. Time and time scarcity and inefficient time management is a huge blocker for flow. People are too rushed, too busy and too frenetic and frazzled in general to be able to create the space and container needed to focus such that they can get into flow. Stress is also a huge one. We talked about overwhelm. This is similar. Stress is more physiological, and this tends to correlate with having sympathetic dominance. So the autonomic nervous system has two branches, the parasympathetic branch which is associated with rest and digest and the maintenance of homeostasis and the sympathetic nervous system which is associated with fight or flight activities when we are in the wild as tribes people and see a tiger we have our sympathetic nervous system activated our pupils dilate so we can absorb information through our visual field more effectively our heart rate increases our muscles clench and contract sometimes we we start to sweat and our breath pattern shifts and that's effective for hunting a tiger or saving yourself from a tiger but it's not effective to get trapped and log jammed in that state for the majority of your time you should be elevating your your state up into a sympathetic state and then dropping back down to a parasympathetic state what happens with chronic stress is that we get log jammed and stuck in a state of sympathetic arousal that results in our nervous system and immune system even being compromised and is not very facilitative to flow at all acute stress is facilitative to flow acute stress is when we have a specific burst of stress and then come back down to a parasympathetic state of relaxation and that may be something like jumping in an ice bath or uh, starting off a flow activity. So you experience some level of stress often at the beginning of a flow state and that leads into the flow state itself. And that that's a good thing. It's the chronic stress. That's a backdrop drip drip of cortisol and norepinephrine that we want to avoid. And then self-sabotage is another big one. This is just a psychological one, but it's a huge one. This is just people tripping themselves up and getting in their own way for all sorts of often deep psychological reasons but this is a huge blocker a behavioral blocker of flow as well wow that's pretty amazing uh that's a that's a huge list so i feel that we have a lot to do a lot to work on right i mean really mindset burnout overwhelm stress sleep lack of clarity lack of motivation uh what are some of the things that people can do in terms of practices or maybe you can share your own experiences where you get into flow states sure yes so as far as my main flow activities surfing is a big one for me i love being immersed in nature as well in different forms and i love a number of different practices which are not necessarily flow inducing directly but they help me individually get in a flow outside of doing those practices uh so things like cold exposure saunas mobility fasting sleep hacking i find that when i'm really on point with all those different things my ability to get into flow is much much easier it comes much more easily 
And uh, we, we refer to those kinds of habits as, fl- as flow hygiene. You want your basic flow hygiene in place, and that means doing those basic fundamental positive psychology habits that are going to result in your system humming along nicely. Yeah, uh, that's amazing. Thanks for sharing. I love sauna. Uh, this is one of my practices that I do twice a week uh, or so. I, I, I really love sauna time. So yeah, Rian, as we are getting closer to the end of the episode, I wanted to ask you about book recommendations. So for the listeners, maybe on flow or maybe to sleep better, uh, anything that comes to mind and you would recommend that would be awesome. Sure. I'll recommend a uh, somewhat random one, at least from a topic perspective, mm-hmm. a book called Breath by James Nestor. I think the breath and breath work as a tool to regulate the nervous system and drive flow is immensely powerful and learning about that directly from someone who's an expert on the topic is very impactful. So Breath by James Nestor is one that I've really been enjoying recently and would recommend to folks. It's not directly on flow, but it's worth it's worth reading. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing. And before I ask my last question, tell the listeners, what's the best way to connect with you, learn about you, and uh, connect with the Flow Research Collective? And maybe if you have some free resources or the collective, maybe you can share that as well. Sure. Yeah, totally. Um, so yeah, best way to connect with us would be to go to flowblocker.com. And you can actually take a free diagnostic to check what your flow blocker is. And then we give you some free tools to help you help you solve it. So that's flowblocker.com. And if someone is interested in training with us, you can go to zero to dangerous.com. That's zero. And then the, the word to dangerous.com. And you can apply to train with us there as well, if that's of interest. And then flowresearchcollective.com is our website as well, which I recommend going to. Awesome. And the links are going to be in our show notes and available on our website, mindsethorizon.com forward slash podcast. And Rian, my last question is, what is your mission and what is your future vision? Sure. It's a good question. Uh, my, my, my mission, my sort of MTP, as we like to call it, is to help as many people as possible experience peak performance and recover from trauma through leveraging technology and entrepreneurship. And so at the moment, that's happening through the Flow Research Collective. And uh, yeah, that's the that's the real mission and just doing it at as high a level as possible. Awesome. MTP is Massive Transformative Purpose. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for sharing that and thanks for sharing your wisdom on the podcast. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for coming on. My pleasure. Thank you for having me, boss. Appreciate it very much. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of the Mindset Horizon podcast. For more information and resources based on today's discussion, be sure to head to our website, MindsetHorizon.com, where you'll also have the ability to join the Mindset Nation community for more insight and empowerment to help you reach your full potential. That's all available exclusively on MindsetHorizon.com.